Sans Pants Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. the total reboot 100 episode celebration we are celebrating 100 episodes by celebrating one of the most fascinating men to have ever acted in a film we are getting locked in the cage nicholas cage that is and we are looking at the reboots remakes and rip-offs of nicholas cage i'm alexi toliopoulos and with me as always is cameron james it's a pleasure to be here in the cage with you you've done it up beautiful mm. it looks amazing there's a chandelier hanging from the <laughs> center bar up the top yeah you've got a gotta have it. gorgeous uh bearskin rug on yep. the floor of this cage it's uh, actually the freaking bearskin that nicholas cage wore in the wicker man <laughs> i believe well Did i it? haven't seen it yet so do not spoil it for me although i have seen that scene yes that you're talking about it's so. an iconic scene how, how have you not seen it everyone has to have seen there's a couple of scenes from the wicker man that you will know like the back of your hand, mm-hmm. even if you've never seen that movie. The wicker hand, if you will. Yeah, the back of your wicker hand. You will know by the back of your wicker hand what is going on in the wicker man. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be looking at in a few weeks' time. But today, we are looking at a movie that does not star Nick Cage. No. It does star another Nick Cave, however. It does star Nick Cave. This was news to me. I didn't know it till I saw it. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. Of course. I love to see an Aussie on screen. Oh God, we love seeing representation. It's <laughs> yeah. important to us as Aussie fellas. We like Aussie representation. I mean, that's why we loved fucking Avatar. That's true. You it's get got our Aussie. boy in it. Our blue boy, our boy in blue. True blue Aussie. <laughs> <laughs> He's a true blue Aussie. Uh, but we are looking back at an absolute art house classic of world cinema. We're looking at Vim Vendors. Vings of Desire. Which is, of course, the biopic about Ving Rhames. Yes. Vings of Desire. And let me tell you, I'm watching it and I'm desiring. By the way, two things about Ving Rhames. Did you know, first of all, that his real name is Irving? Yes, I did know that. Irving Rhames? Do you know the second fact? I know your second (laughs) fact. I'm going to spit it right back at your mouth. (laughs) Is that he was roommates with another beloved character actor. Uh Uh-huh. And that they beloved, studied at Juilliard together, of course, which is one of the hippest acting schools you could go to. Yeah, and these are two hip young character actors yeah. trying to make it in the business. Irving Rames and another man who goes by the name of he goes by the name of uh, the touch the touch too much Stanley Tucci. <laughs> two hip young actors going to Juilliard, mm-hmm. learning how to be stars. Sleeping together at night, they're sleeping just one one row apart. Or I'm something. imagining they've got the roof of their dorm room is covered in stars that are glow in the dark. Glow in the dark, stick on stars. <laughs> and during the night, they'd they'd lay there and Stanley Tucci would be like, "One day, I want to be in a Hunger Games movie, and I'm going to wear the most fabulous wig." 
And what would Irving Rames be saying? Irving would be like, I can't make it in Hollywood. My name doesn't sound cool. My name don't sound cool and at Stanley, all. And Stanley, the tooch, mm-hmm. the birch, the snooch himself <laughs> said, you know what you got to do, buddy? Get, ring- get rid of the IR. Yeah. Just go by Ving. It's like it's, it's like the way. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of the... <laughs> get rid of the the. Get rid of the uh. Yeah. Get rid of the uh. Okay. If people aren't going you're like, uh, uh, uh. No, no, no. Today, Junior, you're Ving. Get rid of the uh. Just Ving. Yeah. Okay? You're Ving. And he got rebirthed as Ving Rames by Stanley Tucci, and they're still friends to this day. They're still besties. They still sleep together in that little loft in New York City, yeah. down by the Juilliard School with the stars bright in their eyes. But these times, the stars are their own reflections. Two of the greatest twinkling stars of Hollywood, that is. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, today's not about Irving Rames or Stanley Tucci. We're not celebrating those two mofos, okay? They get enough in the mainstream media. They get too much attention. We're talking about Nick Cage, except we're not talking about Nick Cage Mm -hmm. today. We are still celebrating Nick Cage, okay? Mm -hmm. Yes, but there's original movies that don't star him. Now we're talking about a bunch of other actors. But before we get into them, before we get into Mm -hmm. Vings of Desire by Vim Vendors i got to ask you, Lex, have you had any Cage content this week? I had a little bit of secret Cage content. Okay. It was Cage content that I wasn't aware was Cage content. Right. I watched a lovely documentary this week called Love and Tosha about Anton Yelchin, an actor that you and I have many strong feelings for in a positive way. We adore him. Yeah, we think he's great. We think he's great. And I remember back in the day, we did Blank Slate. We talked about Green Room. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the review, we lamented that we barely talked about Anton Yelchin. And I remember looking him in the eyes and excitedly saying the words, he's one of the great young actors of his day. We're going to have so many years to talk about him. That was a month later, tragically, he passed away. And I remember you and I both feeling really upset about that. Very upset. Very, very upset. He, I would say he's one of those stars that for us felt like a, not contemporary as such, but someone that we were like, that guy's so cool. I can't wait to see like what his career is going to be. He's going to be one of our guys. He's going to be one of our guys. We're growing up with him. We're, mm. grow, we're like around the same age as him. Yeah. So I remember being really crushed by that. And I've been looking forward to this documentary about him called Love and Tosha. For a really long time. Uh, trailers looked fabulous for it. It's out on Doc Play right now on Amazon Prime. So I watched it on Doc Play, and he's had worked with Nicolas Cage in a movie, but Nicolas Cage doesn't appear in interviews. They've got interviews with so many great people. They've got all this audio of like interviews that he'd done and everything. But Nicolas Cage provides the narration for the film, narrating like all the letters that uh, Anton Yelchin and emails that he'd done. Uh, he is the voice of Anton Yelchin in this movie. Wow. Yeah. Did you know that? No idea. Secret Cage. Secret Cage. And it is, it's a really moving vocal performance. I think that's, it's, there's something about it that's really, really moving. That's nice. I find most of his vocal performances are very moving. Yeah. They move me to another room. I've got to get away from this guy. (laughs) You're scared of Nick Cage. (laughs) He freaks me out. God. The only Cage content I've engaged with this week is. Encaged with, sorry. I've been engaged with this Mm -hmm. week, in the cage with is a YouTube compilation video that's probably one of the oldest YouTube compilations ever. It's been around one of the most iconic ones. It's called Nick Cage Loses His Shit. (laughs) And I've watched it over and over and over again over the years. It goes for about six or seven minutes, and it's a compilation of Nick Cage screaming, yelling, cursing. Across movies? Across movies. CCTV footage. We're talking, you get... 
uh, Vampire's Kiss in there, which Great we've one. watched, which we love. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scenes from that in there. There's a lot of scenes from Wicker Man, Face yep. Off. It's just six minutes of him yelling. And um, wow. it, it it pumps me up every single time. And it's scored by the Requiem from a Dream. Oh, Requiem that Kronos, that Kronos song, Quartet that thing. That song, yeah. but set to Nick Cage screaming. So if, if you're feeling down and you want to get pumped up, go to the www.youtube.com. Go to that little search bar, mm-hmm. click on it, yep. apply pressure to the mouse. <laughs> yeah. Make sure it's in the right place. Make the cursor sure has to be in the, the right spot. The cursor has to be right in the middle of that bar. Mm-hmm. Apply pressure with your finger and yes. then get those gently, fingers. Yeah, gently. Not too crazy. You don't want to break the mouse. Exactly. You got a, you got a beautiful mouse there attached to that laptop of yours. You don't want to bust that thing. You don't want to bust it. I don't want to bust it wide open. Don't just don't bust it wide open. Okay, apply a gentle pressure. A to reasonable it. amount of pressure. Yeah, and then get those fingers a clicking and a clacking over the keys. And on the keys, you can go wild. Go it's really sp- crazy. Go ham. Who gives a shit? Yeah, you can do whatever. The keys, they're gonna stick around. Then never fuck up. I've never lost a key on a laptop. Never lost a key. So go crazy and type in Nick Cage loses his shit, and you'll have. The best six minutes of your life, guaranteed. Six minutes of cage, seven minutes in heaven. That extra minute, it's on me, baby. That extra minute is on Alexi. <laughs> and you can bill Alexi for that extra minute. Yeah, bill it for me and I'll give it to you in heaven, baby. I don't know how he's going to give it to you, but if you want to send an invoice to Alexi or something for a minute <laughs> of time, whatever yeah. you think that's worth, he will pay it. <laughs> I will pay it. I will pay that minute. So if you think a minute of your time is worth five bucks, two bucks, mm-hmm. send him an invoice. He will pay it. <laughs> In my own currency, too. Lex boxed it. <laughs> uh, but we are here talking about an original classic movie that eventually mm. would become a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah. The movie in question today is Wings of Desire. It would later be remade about a decade or so later yep. Yep. as City of Angels, starring Nicolas Cage... As an angel, yep. and Meg Ryan, a real life angel, with him. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it, but mm. I am very familiar with uh, Goo Goo Dolls, Iris. Yes, and I've seen the poster, and I know at least one point in the movie, one of them is riding a bike or a motorbike, and they spread their arms out in a Christ-like fashion. Wow, to symbolise wings or to freedom or something, a stigmata of some kind. Yeah, so I know a couple of images from it. I'm very excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Especially after watching this. Yes, and that is our point for you and I to sit above the skies of Berlin and look on down to all the simple podcast listeners out there. Well, complex as we'll find as we listen in. (laughs) Let's dive in. Wings of Desire, 1987, directed by Wim Wenders. There are angels on the streets of Berlin. (laughs) I mean, I've been there, I didn't see any. (laughs) 
<laughs> saw a lot of devils though running around okay, the warehouses. Okay, Jeez okay. Louise. Doing drugs, partying, yeah. having a blast, eating yeah. kraut. It's quite illegal. Eating yeah. kraut is not <laughs> allowed in Australia, okay? <laughs> Two angels, Damiel and Cassiel, glide through the streets of Berlin, observing the bustling population, providing invisible rays of hope to the distressed but never interacting with them. When Damiel falls in love with lonely trapeze artist Marion, the angel longs to experience life in the physical world and finds, with some words of wisdom from actor Peter Falk, that it <laughs> might be possible for him to take human form. So to put it in a simpler term, an immortal angel being mm-hmm. begins to long for the life and pleasures of the human flesh. Yes. And the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And then decides that he no longer wants to be an angel. He wants to become human. He wants to become mortal. Which I got to say, very cool premise. Yeah. This is a premise that I absolutely adore. I've yeah. always been drawn to like, to texts that entwine like the idea of fables, the mm-hmm. idea of like mm-hmm. spiritual mythology and connect it to like an everyday world. Yeah. And I love the idea of interpreting like that spiritual mythology into a contemporary setting. Yes. And bringing like bringing fables back into the real world and bringing them back into like a current day. I find that fascinating. Like I've always dreamed of like trying to do something like this. And I think it's because this movie like had a huge impact on me when I first saw it. Tell me about it because I haven't seen it. And Vim Vendors is one of those directors that I feel like you're supposed to watch and you're supposed to love mm. uh, as someone who likes movies. I ha- I've seen none of his films. Mm. In fact, so much so that when I was trying to rack my brains today for another Vim Vendors film, I named three Jim Jarmusch ones. Yeah, I think he's of that, of that exact cohort, really, mm. as far as like when it comes to the era but also like the way that um like these kind of like late boomer gen xy uh art house filmmakers were brought into like this kind of mainstream film hmm. film discussion uh he's oh, he like jim jumbush and him i think are like a bit two peas in a pod really hmm. where they they have like the connective tissue being like Interesting stories, defined voice, but the big one is cool fucking music. And, yeah. And being mm. in touch with like what hip music is. Like Vim Vendors, probably the movies that people would most know are this one, Wings of Desire. Uh, I think everyone would at least know the poster of that, of like an angel sitting atop like a tall tower looking I, down. I wasn't familiar with it. Oh, really? I was, I'm very familiar with the Paris, Texas poster. Yeah. And that image of um is it harry dean stamp with the red cap on yeah. and the suit like I, i'm familiar with it but i've just never seen it mm. and i think that the other one that they would know of course paris texas is uh bonavisa social club yeah which yeah is, you uh, love that i that's one that was like i feel at least in australia was huge at that point in time when it came out more so because it's a it's a documentary. He's one of those directors that works in both uh, fictional narrative and documentary. Mm. He goes between the two, like Mike Myers, like Mike Myers, like Mike Myers will do a movie <laughs> like I oh, don't know, yeah. View from the Top or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He will do a fucking sick ass movie like, like So I Married an Axe Murderer. He will, he'll so he'll marry an axe murderer one day. The next day he's going to make a Superman. Okay, 
Yeah. So yeah. it's the same kind of thing with Vin Vendors. He, one day he'll marry an axe murderer. The <laughs> next day he's going to make a documentary about the Bonavista Social Club, a league of musicians in Cuba that have been around for a very long ass time. Yeah. And um, it's a great exploration of Cuban music, Cuban culture. But the soundtrack was when freaking bananas around the world. Like people, I think it's that soundtrack is probably like his Vin Vendors' greatest legacy <laughs> that he and Ry Cuda, uh, who's another fabulous musician, did the stuff for. Paris, Texas, hmm. um, another very cool musician. They kind of put this together and like produced this soundtrack through this wonderful documentary that is now part of the Criterion Collection. It's pretty accessible now to watch Bonavista Social Club for the first time in ages. But the soundtrack is all like amazing Latin, Afro-Cuban, like beautiful music. Hmm. Really, really beautiful music. And so Vim Vendors is extremely hip is what I would say. And I think that... Every few years, there's like a big either international film or an art house film, um, a foreign language cinema that catches on and has like this huge impact. And I think that, you know, Paris, Texas is one, but even though it's like American set, he left he left um, working in Germany and Berlin and working in Europe to come for many years to work in America. He made like a trilogy of road movies mm-hmm. and then he made Paris, Texas. And they're all like beloved kind of like art house classics and i th- but i think this is the one where it, it kind of taps into like that, that spirituality of connecting like deeper thoughts with like kind of like a very surface level yet thoughtful stylistic choices that kind of bring like this idea of spirituality and connectedness to everything and um like it's one of those I always think of it like there's films like this that like have a big impact on like film schools where mm. you can imagine like after this came out and still you kind of see it where there's so many things that just kind of like ape this style of like black and white meets color and like showing like versions of that and like connecting spirituality like the other ones there's always a crime one like your Pulp Fictions or your Drives Drive was the big one for my era and then also the other ones like Amelie as far as like world cinema, like yeah. cinema goes. Mm. And like, I think that he is one of those directors that like really defines that. Yeah. He's a name just like Jarmusch or Lynch that mm-hmm. I've been hearing the entire time I've been into movies, but maybe avoided because it's intimidating a little bit. Yeah. You hear about these people so much and like, you know, we've spoken to people in the Patreon group about David Lynch who, who just, uh, find him impenetrable and Mm. don't know where to start. Yes. Such a long legacy and the history of the filmmaker is so lauded, Mm -hmm. but also it feels so removed from where we are now cinematically. I feel that way about Vim Vendors. I'm a bit about that with David Lynch as well. Yeah, and and understandably, it's crazy. Like, I I probably wouldn't like Lynch if I hadn't seen... Marlon Drive when I was yeah. 11 or if whatever. He, if yeah. he wasn't your access point into like <laughs> yeah. freaky deaky cinema. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And still like a touchstone. And Vim Vendors is something that I've just avoided mm. until uh, last night when yeah. I watched Wings of Desire and I knew you'd seen it and I, you, I don't know how you feel about it. All you told me was that you had very strong feelings about it when you were younger yeah. and you didn't re-watch it until recently for this podcast. Yes. And you've kind of reassessed your feelings for it. I don't know. I don't even know where you stand. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what to say. Cause yeah. I, I know where I stand right now. And I am afraid that I'm going to come across like an 18 year old who 
just started studying film. Yes, that's what I wanted though. I'm glad. <laughs> so how do you feel? Where do you stand on this movie? I feel elated by this film. No way. Absolutely elated by this film. Oh my God. Cameron, I'm so happy to hear this. I was so moved by it. Wow. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it. Mm. I really didn't. It was after I rewatched it, I remember just like kind of not preparing you for it, but just going like, you know, we're in the midst of this cage thing. So I think we've got our phases set to like insanity, you know? Sure. That's our yeah. setting right now. Yeah. And this is not insanity. No. This, but it is strange. It is weird. Yeah. It has a very, like, it has a very odd pace. Sure. And I was kind of like, oh, I was like, this actually is a really pleasurable, easy watch. So I was kind of like mm. wanting to be it's gentle. It's incredibly with this. gentle. Yes. It's an incredibly gentle movie. Um, Half the movie is people walking around with their hands in their pockets. It's a leisurely stroll of Mm. a film. I didn't think I was going to like it because of reasons that I've said before that make me seem like a far stupider person (laughs) than I think I am. Because (laughs) it's, okay, it's black and white, or at least it starts black and Mm -hmm. white. And it's German language, or at very least it starts German language. Mm. And it's kind of, if I didn't know... That I was watching a film from eighty seven, um, I would have thought it was from the fifties because mm. it, it, it looks like it. Like yeah. even the way it's lit and the you know, and it is lit. It's lit AF, <laughs> <laughs> you dickhead. <Yeah. laughs> but like I was, I, I kind of watched, and it's you see someone writing some philosophical mm. questions in German, and yeah. it's all things like um, with voiceover, it's all th- questions like. Who am I if I am not them? Um, you know, if I'm mm. I'm me, but why am I not them? I'm yeah. here, but why am I not there? Um, and it's all very like, oh, God, okay. I'm in year 12 and I'm studying poetry Absolutely. again or something. <laughs> it's got this very, like, deliberate poetic language yes. to a lot of these in a monologue. So the way that the film takes shape is we follow these two, these two angels, Damiel and Cassiel. Uh, oh, is it... Yeah. Yes. That's what they are uh, called. And Damiel one of the. Damiel is played by Bruno Gans and Otto Sander plays Cassiel. Mm-hmm. And they're these two angels that. They have no real impact on the world, but they're like these observers. But, but I got to tell you, that's when I clicked in. That's mm. a, a few minutes into the movie. Uh, there's a scene of the two of them sitting together and mm-hmm. they're recounting what they've seen that day. And. It's just like innocuous shit. Yes. Like one of them is like, I watched um, a young boy watch some grass grow. And the other one's like, I watched a woman look at a man and she smiled. Mm. And like, it's just kind of innocuous, boring shit that their job, it seems to be, is to just watch so that they can remember humanity. Yes. And then you kind of like, you get to spend a bit more time with them through this movie and they've been around forever. They're Mm. immortal. They've been on earth since... Before humans existed, they've watched everything. They've watched the glaciers melt. They've watched humans evolve from like specks in rivers to mm. to you know like what we are today. And th- I, and I think that's that's when I kind of clicked into oh what this movie is, is going to be actually quite beautiful because yes. it is just about documenting small moments mm. and the beauty in tiny. Seemingly inconsequential shit. It's the same reason I like Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> just to imagine Damiel watching there, sitting in black and white, just watching George and Jerry 
and then Kramer busts in yelling, I'm out. These and Cassio guys... comes in and testifies, he did, in fact, masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> if Damiel was an observational comic, he would have the best shit to yes. talk about. Like, you guys ever noticed that the glaciers took thousands of years mm-hmm. to melt and that leads to the current estuary system that we have going through Europe? <laughs> That's incredible shit. You guys ever notice Peter Falk's acting process of how he like takes notes and put things together, develop a character, even though he feels kind of self-conscious about playing a character <laughs> after playing Columbo for like 48 years on television? <laughs> it is it is really it is really moving. It's really beautiful. I think my reservation or apprehension coming back to this is exactly that thought of it mm-hmm. being like kind of like uh, very overtly poetic language mm. that Vim Vendors, he collaborated with uh, a writer on this one called uh, Peter Hanke, who yeah. he collaborated with back in the early part of his career and they re-teamed for this, but Peter Hanke couldn't like fully commit himself to this and Vendors was just like, I just want you to write dialogue. I want you to write very poetic, like <laughs> internal monologue thoughts of people's everyday lives. And I thought that going back now that maybe that wouldn't connect with me as Mm. deeply as it did back then because it's something that's kind of become I guess like kind of like art house hack if anything of like that like those monotone uh, deeper thoughts of kind of like a way to express the way the human mind works yeah but it still works for me, but I kind of almost wish, like, you know, talking about how, like, you're saying how this movie is timeless. It could have been made in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. There was something about this movie and, like, how it kind of, like, brought those ideas of, like, especially when they're having, like, these reconstructed versions of, like, the up-high monuments of Berlin mm-hmm. when we're seeing our angels sitting atop them. That struck me as, like, German expressionism. Very expressionist. Very, very. expressionistic work, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like The Metropolis. lighting is literally just, like, spotlighting on their faces yeah. all the time. It's really German expression. It hits that, and it made me kind of <clears throat> hope and think that, like, you know, and also, of course, because it's dealing with, like, spirituality and, like, testifying and witnessing, that you kind of think of, like, um, you know, the is it the Passion of Joan of Arc, the Carl Theodore Dyer, like that. Mm. It's, like, iconic, like, silent film where you've got that amazing performance where Joan of Arc is like writing and testifying and seeing like the tears and stuff it's like it exists in gift form like that's how, right. how yeah. iconic this silent film is but it kind of made me almost at moments hope like I wish there was a version of this where it was just silent and or mm. there wasn't the poetic language and it was just the beautiful soundscapes that are created to kind of just like allow in a way of like those early silent films and like especially like early silent film like observational documentaries like uh, Man with a Movie Camera where you're applying your own narrative to these thoughts mm. to what we're seeing on screen and there were moments where I was like that would be like the really that would be like the extension of this but it wouldn't have connected back in yeah. 1987 I also don't know if I if it would have connected with me today I don't know I if think it I would've... needed all the elements here to work and even so much so that it, it was almost too much, you know? Mm. Like, <clears throat> there's a point in this film where the movie stops being timeless for me. Because it, it like we're saying, it kind of feels like a, it could almost be German Expressionist, it could almost be Frank Capra. Yeah. And then, at a certain point, you become very aware that you're watching 
Berlin in 1986. It starts being timeless and becomes a time capsule. And it's like, that's the moment, another moment for me where I was like, well, I love this. Yeah. I love this film. And that is um, obviously because this is about the wall, Mm -hmm. the Berlin Wall and the kind of split between East and West. And also, there's fucking Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in this movie. It's incredible. The movie stops twice to go to two shows. One is um, this band called Crime and the City Solution, who are a Melbourne band with Roland S. Howard in it, who's like he used to be in... Um, the birthday party and the boys next door with Nick Cave. Mick Harvey is also in that oh band. He's in I love seeing you go music nerd <laughs> like this. Well, this is like, man, when I'm when I'm 18, 19, mm-hmm. all I cared about was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds yeah. and the boys next door and the birthday party. And then the second concert, thank God we get to see it in full color, is just a Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds show where mm-hmm. they're just playing from her to eternity in its entirety. But the angels are walking around on stage with the fucking band, yeah, and it it rules. It it's almost like maybe the best Nick Cave footage I've ever seen in my life, and it captures like an authentic <laughs> moment. Like it feels like yeah. this concert could actually be happening. I was obsessed with that era of Nick Cave where mm-hmm. they were living in Bur- when I was eighteen. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. There was this photo that I had of Nick Cave in yeah. his Berlin apartment. And it looks a bit like Blu-ray Studios. Oh, my dream. Like, it's a tiny, tiny room with a mattress on the floor. You don't have that here. Yes. I'm just painting an image. Yes, I don't and have then a mattress on the floor. all, it's like every wall is bookshelf. Yeah. And it's all filled with books and stuff. And I was like, man, that, that would be the dream life to be just <laughs> living in this, this full artist commune yeah. vibe with your band. Now, I can't think of anything worse, but... When I was 18, oh, I thought that was sick. Yeah. And I read that uh, that Wim Vendors was like, yeah, I was making a movie in Berlin in 1986. It would be insane not to show a Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds wow. show because they were integral to that city at that time. Because he, he wanted to go back to Berlin to make a movie. He was like, I want to make a movie... And Berlin's the only place I find fascinating in Europe is basically what he said. Fair enough. And he's like, that's his city. He has no, he had no other interest in making any other films like in Germany. And he's like, I want to make a Berlin film. So he finds like the things that he considers very Berlin. Mm. Especially you think of Berlin at this point in time, it is just like this little fucking hole in a donut of like freedom basically. Mm, mm. And it's just like this. I mean, please never quote me for that. That's actually, that sounds so shit. If you heard that, you're like, whoa, that was, it's really bad. Do not put that in your history essay for a high no, school put it student. In there. It's a hole in the donut of freedom. <laughs> put it in your high school essays <laughs> and then bill Alexi for your time. No, and you will pay it. That one, I don't want to pay up on. <laughs> I don't want to put my name on it. It was like, it sounded so lame. But in my mind, was like, maybe that's going to be profound. And I was like, that sucked. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that sucked, that sucked, that sucked. Everyone knows I'm dumb now. <laughs> but, you know, it is like this little pinnacle. It like stood as like this symbol to the entire world yeah. of freedom amongst like, I guess, Western oppression mm-hmm. or, you know, the USSR, Russian, Soviet totalitarianism around them and mm. stuff. And um, I think that having this movie be like these... these angels viewing the everyday people that have this freedom but to an extent yeah that it's something very moving about it was like these people have freedom but then there's all these 
there's all these objects and symbols of oppression like around them that mm-hmm. makes them feel like they are <laughs> kind of like caged in in like this world. There's checkpoints that, all through this movie. That doesn't feel real almost watching yeah. it now. Even though it's like, it's very, very real. It's like amazing this that this movie is like this this spiritual time capsule of what this exact experience was. I think that's so special that, you know, you, you kind of like danced around saying it before that it's a, a movie that's somehow timeless and a time capsule at mm. the same time. Yeah. And it's crazy. This is 1987, the year I was conceived. Wow. The year my dad finally <laughs> got to have the most amazing feeling. Do you think... With my mum, and she also, I hope, had an amazing feeling too. I pray that they both reach climax simultaneously. I hope that, or at very least, close by. Close by. And they had such a great feeling together. Yeah. And then, you know, a year later, I was born. So this is just... A year later. Cameron was just only for 12 months. (laughs) I didn't want to get out of there. I loved it in there. It was like the feeling that my parents had together was so special. I need to stay here and honor it for as long as I can. And absorb that energy into me and allow myself to grow into a horny man throughout my entire life. I must absorb that energy. The longer you energy. are in the womb, the hornier you are as an adult. But my point I quote is him on that. that this is just outside of my lifetime ago mm. that this was happening. And yeah. it's kind of exciting to see it. Yeah. It is. You were but a twinkle in your father's dinkle as this was happening. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you better believe I was. <laughs> You better believe that shit. But I, I think maybe we can talk about like the shape that this movie takes place as. Sure. So we do follow these two angels that they just witness, they just testify, they witness humanity. Yeah. They have some they have these moments of interaction kind of, but it's more like they offer a hand to reassure people. Yeah. They and- don't guide people. They're not guardian angels. They're just kind of there. And if someone's suffering, Mm -hmm. they sit with them. And they don't talk to them. They're just there. And something that I like about these angels is that, apart from a moment at the start where we see Damiel have wings, Mm. we never really see that symbolism again. They look like dogma. They look like dogma style. (laughs) They're dogma style angels. angels. They've got these coats on, and then you see the wings around the coat, (laughs) and then the wings disappear. Dogma style. They're dogma style angels. So pitch dogma. Picture view askew. You're halfway there. You're halfway there. Now, picture view askew clerks. You're the other halfway there, dude. It's black black and white. white. (laughs) (laughs) This probably was a major influence on both. As I was watching it, I I was thinking, guaranteed, 100% guaranteed Kevin Smith used Wings of Desire as a reference point for Dogma. It was in the mood reel. 100%. Minimum was in the mood reel that he created to pitch to the... Uh, a certain corporation who shall go nameless. Yeah. A company. Yeah, we hate them. We hate them. Two brothers, one worse than the other, but both bad. Oh, the thing I like about these angels is that they're like you, like back to that timelessness about them is that the, they feel ancient yet contemporary. The way they speak is kind of like poetic and like, I was reading about it that this writer kind of incorporated like 19th century German Mm. speech patterns to them as well to kind of make them feel timeless. But I, I like that they are only like mildly symbols of Christianity in kind of like, it has that feeling of like an interpretation that religion is like this universal experience that is, that some of its symbolism have seeped into multiple facets of religion. And so it's not, there's no elements of it that are like definitively Christian symbolism. I really like that too, because uh, 
And it's almost like uh, an agnostic world. Like, mm. no one... They never even say God. They don't say God. They don't judge people who are, like, sinning or whatever. Like, when they go to, like, the warehouse parties and shit where the bands are playing. Which rocks. They're not, like, sitting there looking around being like, oh, God, look at these fucking heathens. They're just kind of, like, watching the band and (laughs) kind of, like, looking around at people and sort of smiling. And there's no judgment, which I quite like. They're not there to judge and choose who goes to heaven or hell. They're literally just there to watch and remember us. It's, it's like, yeah, I found, I found that incredibly beautiful in a weird way. It's, you know, I've seen this written about, it's not my thought, but, um, they watch humanity the way that we watch movies. Oh, wow. And as a, I mean, that's literally given to us on screen in that they see the world in black and white and they hear voiceover, they hear people's thoughts, and they can't interact with anything directly, but they can watch it and learn from it and be moved by it, but they can't engage. Just like all of us at home watching Nick Cage movies, we can only watch, we can be moved, but we can't get up there on screen with him and fuck around. We can't have a few little riffs of Nick Cage. Until you become human. So that's the point when Mm -hmm. the movie starts to change, is like this angel... Damiel. Played by Bruno Gans. Played by Bruno Gans. Who's uh, one of those great, like, fabulous actors. Sadly, he passed away just, like, last year, I believe. But people would know him. He plays Hitler in Downfall. Um, He's in many great movies. He was just in the latest Terrence Malick film. Uh, I think it's called A Simple Life or something. Hmm. Um, And he's also in a great Australian movie by Gillian Armstrong called... Uh, the Last Days of Shane which is fucking sick. It's filmed right in your backyard in Glebe. Awesome. It's like a, one of the great Glebe movies. <laughs> <laughs> Along with some ads about the fish markets. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the fish markets in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, Damiel, it's um, it's not quite as simple as it was in the Letterboxd uh, intro that I read mm-hmm. out where it says that you know he falls in love with a girl and he decides he wants to be human. Yeah. That's part of it. It's more than that. He just is tired of watching. After yeah. millennia, he just wants to feel. He yeah. wants to know what it feels like to not only love, but like be bored. Mm. He wants to know what it feels like to be sad and happy and to like have to walk out of people's way. He wants to know what it feels like to have stakes yeah. and to feel danger. And the way that that, comes to him is by falling in love with this woman who's a trapeze artist Mm. who dresses as an angel and who literally embodies stakes. Like she's flying above crowds of people and could fall and hurt herself. This man cannot fall, cannot hurt himself. And when Cameron's saying he wants to feel like what it's like to have stakes, it is a little bit like Joey Pants in the Matrix. Yeah. Where he wants Ignorance to, is bliss. And he wants to see what it's like to have stakes again. Because yeah. like he He's liked never had the, one. He liked how it tasted in the Matrix, so he wants to go back. Tastes pretty good. Joey Pants actually would be if I had to pick my cast for mm-hmm. the remake of this, it wouldn't be Nick Cage, it would be Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. As one he, of the angels. He could talk about steaks, no one else he can. He could be like, I wanna know what it feels like to have a goddamn <laughs> steak in my mouth, don't <laughs> The other guy is played by James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano. Okay, yes, you can go down. You can take your steaks. Okay, take them if you want. I'm going to have a big juicy steak, Tony. Okay. And I'm going to walk around. I'm going to fall in love with a girl. And her name's Ada Tuturo. 
<laughs> Ralphie. <laughs> no. So it's Sopranos, yeah. but the angels. Yeah. Awesome. But and I think that it, it's it's really beautiful the way that it's just like you start to see this guy want to like experience humanity. Like mm. you start to see him like having that desire to become mortal, and it's so simply like so simply done and spent very elegantly where we just the whole world has been black and white when we see the world through the eyes of these angels it's all black and white but when he sees this woman uh played by uh solvig domamartin her swinging on the trapeze there's a moment where there's a shot or two in color yeah and it's just a really simple effective technique as a way to display that something's changed but it's not like oh he loves her and she's the only thing in color Hmm. he just experiences humanity for those moments a split second he's like whoa this must be what people feel like all the time he has he experiences humanity Hmm. for those moments it's really it's a really beautiful technique and so then it's all about like him kind of coming to terms with that and it's like a long it's weirdly structured because you think that would be like the halfway point of the inciting incident and the rest of the movie is like him becoming a human a little mm. bit fish out of water comedy in some way yeah crocodile dundee style exactly and this movie is pretty funny like there's funny stuff in this movie <laughs> yeah they're interesting the angels are these interesting characters and the vignettes offer some sad things like you know people exploring like the darker side of berlin like berlin's history and stuff with mm. world war Two. And there's this old man that kind of goes on like a Homer's... Or his name is Homer and he goes on an odyssey. Mm. He's one of the worlds they look in. They look at some dark stuff. They look at some funny stuff too. The vignettes are like kind of varied in that, in their sweetness. Mm. And then... um, But it's like almost like two thirds, maybe three quarters into the movie where he makes that transition to human. Yeah. And part of like his journey is we meet Peter Falk, Columbo, one of the greatest character actors of all time, if not number one. He's... Up there, you know, you put him up there with your Bob Hoskins, Absolutely. your Joey Pantolianos. Your Delroy Lindos. Yeah. Like yeah. this miniseries is shaping up to have some like all-star yeah. character actors in like the yeah, supporting dude. roles. So Peter Falk, everyone who does know him largely knows him from Columbo. Mm-hmm. You're a big Cassavetes guy. Yes. I've only seen a handful of Cassavetes films, mm-hmm. but he was in a, a fair chunk of them. Yes, he's in like Mikey and Nicky <clears throat> with Cassavetes, but that's mm-hmm. an Elaine May movie. But mm-hmm. that's like a testament to them as creative partners and collaborators. They work together a lot. Husbands is the one that he's in. He's also, of course, in A Woman Under the Influence, mm. which is like the big major Cassavetes film. And he plays Jenna Rowland's husband in that movie. Mm. Superb performance by him. But obviously, Jenna Rowland's, that's the, one of the greatest like three performances anyone's ever done on screen. Yeah. The other is She's Bob one Hoskins. of the absolute greats. Yeah, she's one of the absolute greats, man. She's so great. <laughs> she's so great. She's apple shoot great, dude. So, Peter Falk, like, has his TV mm-hmm. mainstream cred, but he also has his, like, indie movie cred. Yes. And he's also got his comedy cred. He's in Corky Romano, plus Corky Romano's dad <laughs> in, the, in the Chris Kattan, Sean Penn, Peter Burke movie, Corky Romano. So, that's awesome. So, in this movie, which is an art film mm-hmm. in the indie world, but it is 100% cashing in on him as a mainstream TV star. Yes. Because Peter Falk plays Peter Falk, who, the TV star. who The TV star who, in this movie, is a researching a new role as a detective yeah. 
wearing a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole movie is him walking around in a trench coat with a little notepad. He's smoking cigarettes, not cigars. They, cigarettes. they might have got rights to him smoking cigars. Yeah. Walking around and like taking notes and interviewing yeah. people, sort of, and yeah. like people Excuse keep me going. Second. People call him Colombo yeah. and shit. Like, they do call him Colombo. Someone calls him Colombo yeah. in the movie. Excuse me one second. It's me, Peter Falk, uh, not Colombo. Sorry. <laughs> I'm looking you in the eye. You may not know my eyes kind of fucked up and stuff so, like that. So, from what I've read, he was added quite late into production. Mm. They were already filming, and um, Vim had some idea. We need someone in here who's, like, like obviously a star, because yeah. we want to get this film played in America. We need someone who's a mega star. <laughs> we need, like, a big star, and also we need someone who is, like, beloved by people so that uh, when they see him interact with the angels, oh it's like, it gets an emotional reaction. Can you ever him. think of anyone that's more deeply beloved than Peter Falk? I was watching, you know, because I don't know a hell of a lot of Peter Falk stuff, but watching this movie, you know, I was struck by how he has one of the most naturally warm presences mm. Princess on Bride. screen. Yeah. Well, see, Princess that's Bride that's like what that. I think of when I think of Peter Falk is yeah. Princess Bride. Excuse me, kid, just come sit down here with Grandpa. One more thing. The princess said this. And then Billy Crystal riffed for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is crazy, right? So, he was added quite late mm. into production. They were already filming. Vim Vendors called him and said, can you come to Berlin and be in this movie? He pitched him the idea of what the movie was about. Peter Falk said, is there a script? Vim Vendors said, no. Not, con- not really. <laughs> not really. Yeah. We're sort of like just filming vignettes at this point, but we want you to come and mm. just walk around Berlin and we'll just like film you. Yeah. And you can improvise. You're muttering to yourself. You're muttering, you're talking to people. Every interaction you have with someone will be improvised. Yeah. And he was like, thank fuck, I haven't done that in years. I used to do it with Cassavetes back in the day. We used to do a lot of improv together. I miss it. Get me back out there. Yes, and Mm. I'm doing it. Yeah. And the main reason that he agreed to do it, I believe, is because the the big reveal of Mm. Peter Falk's role in this movie is that he can talk to the angels probably because he like used to be one yeah he used to be an angel so so in this movie in this world peter falk was like a timeless eternal Mm. angel for thousands thousands millennia well i got the script to colombo pilot and i was like well (laughs) you know i gotta become a human He's you know? like, I have to become a human. And he became <laughs> he a was... human, and then he became a fucking actor. Yeah. He became Peter, he became Columbo. <laughs> Peter Falk. He became Peter Falk. Do you think that he was like sitting in like you know observing people at the offices of CBS International and like he's he's a script to Columbo like now that I gotta do yeah I gotta come down to earth for that I gotta do this you know I'm gonna really love this experience to become an actor so like uh, who 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 would it be who else could be cast in this kind of like meta role where the the whole premise of mm. them being cast in it is they are such a beautiful warm interesting spirit the only explanation for them is that they must be an angel oh i'm trying who else could it be the only person it could be and it's not as good as this because no one i think peter falk <laughs> is so uniquely capable of doing this because he's also like kind of cool and exciting yeah, and like cool. he's kind of like can kind of be that tunnel being I guess like Mr. Rogers Fred Rogers would kind of be it sure. but he's too <laughs> clean Peter Falk yeah. while he like you know this beautiful angel of a man yeah. he also there's a dirtiness he's about him he's always smoking dude he's wearing a little trench yes. he implies that he fucks 
He looks like the <laughs> honestly. He more so than Mike Myers. He looks like the magic pudding. You know. Yeah. He yeah, is like yeah. this little shrimpy guy. He's got like this, like you know, this deeply tanned olive skin mm. and like this huge hair. He's got yeah. some of the biggest hair that yeah. there ever yeah. is. And we haven't got... even talked about that eye yet. Well, we you know, touched Peter Falk has a glass eye. Peter yeah, Falk has a glass famously, eye. Famously, one of the glassest eyes you could ever have. <laughs> yes, it's the glass menagerie is based on his freaking eye, dude. <laughs> It's a glass eye. He's the most famous person with a freaking glass eye that ever was. And it's kind of what his charm is. That he's got yeah. this glass eye. Yeah. And so he's like, he, there's one moment in this eye I noticed on this rewatch, because having known that that's like, not even a twist. It's just like a beautiful detail in this movie. something in the movie, yeah. And that he, um, when he's like at the start coming to Berlin and you hear his monologues and like the way his brain's working, trying to unpack this role, incorporating with his real life, he talks about like his grandma or his mum. And then I was like, oh, what? He go, how is that possible? Mm. And apparently, like, Vim Bender's, like, never noticed that as a uh. thing. He's like, he never noticed until much later. Um, and it's kind of like, for me, that's kind of almost more beautiful is that he has become Peter Falk. This angel has become Peter Falk and has had to create this backstory hmm. of, like, he's, he, like, he's becomes an actor. Peter Falk's one of the great actors and he has created, like, his own backstory and his own performance for playing, like, this yeah, real-life man. Yeah, that's interesting. And I found that, like, a really cool, beautiful, interesting touch. And I think that... Does man, he's the best. I'm so glad we got to talk about Peter Falk on a Maid episode. I think the last one we did was like the Favreau Patronus. We talked about Maid, and he's so yeah, good in that movie. Yeah, but this is like, what? Oh God, I love him in this movie. Yeah, and uh, I, me too. I, I really loved him in this movie, and I think that that kind of moment at towards the end where you sort of realize, I think Peter Falk used to be an angel. And that's why he's the one who can, like, sense Angel's presences yeah. and talk to them a little bit and stuff. Is like, that could have been incredibly cheesy and potentially will be if it's mm. in the Nick Cage version. Like, yes. I was trying to think, how are they going to do this in the 1998 movie? Is there going to be an equivalent of it? Is it actually going to be... A, a 90s era actor. Who it's will it be? Dennis France. Will it be Wayne Knight? Will <laughs> yeah. it be, like, who will it be? Yeah, Dennis France. Who Who will it be? Will it be Elliot Stabler from Law and yep. Order? Like, but, but the more I think about it, I'm like, if there's no way they can do it because it'll just be way too cheesy if there's some mm. guy who used to be an angel and it's a famous actor. It's, I can't picture it being done any other way. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do because I don't know anything about that remake. No, I know neither. nothing about it except it's City of Angels. It's set in LA. Mm. So I know it's going to be LA. I don't know if it's going to be that time capsule thing because LA 90s, there is really interesting stuff going on that could be comparable to this like Berlin Yeah, but not, not by 98. But Yeah, I guess so. What's it's going to be commenting on? I don't... That? I can't fathom that it will be commenting on anything. Mm. In my opinion, you know, I was trying watching this movie, I was trying to think, how did this ever become a mainstream blockbuster mm. a decade later? And all I can think is that a producer watched this at a film festival and loved the part. There's one scene, it's quite a beautiful scene, where Damiel goes into the trailer of Marion while mm-hmm. she's just been doing trapeze shit and she... He watches her while she just potters around her fucking trailer. Mm. And then she lays down and falls asleep. And he kind of lays on top, not on top of her, but like next to her. But he's like listening to her heart. And then she dreams about him. Yeah. And all I could think of was there was a producer watching that scene and going like, 
fuck, dude, we got to get Meg Ryan in here. Yeah. She should do this. And it's a dude falls in love with her. Yes. John Cusack, maybe. John Cusack, Tom Hanks. We'll get Tom Hanks. Dude, get Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal's an angel. He falls in love with Meg Ryan. And Billy he... Crystal is an angel. We all know that. He's one of the real-life <laughs> angels in this world. That's the Maybe that's one of the only other actors who could have played a real-life yeah. angel. Is Imagine if it was... <laughs> He's just absolutely just ripping. Hey, I used to be an angel up there. The wings. I was allergic to the feathers. <laughs> I'm allergic to down. St. Peter is no saint, but I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> I came down for the corned beef. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be an angel. I can't even get a table at Sardi's. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, come on. It writes itself. I'll have what she's having. And what she's having is anything. Regular life, that is. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, I I really don't know what's gonna be He's like. They've be taken like fucking... that one element, the love element, and they've yeah. turned that into a, probably a two-hour movie. In that's what I think it's gonna be. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I just can't see that there's uh, there's any other mm. layers to City of Angels that include what this movie includes because it's like you said, it's that's just one part of the movie, and mm. it doesn't really kick in until the last quarter. Last of it. quarter, it's not an inciting incident when he becomes human. It's no. just like this slow it's sort of building the end of the thing. movie. It's kind of like the final like twenty minutes. Yeah, whatever. I mean, like what's going to be John Stamos as like Peter Falk? Oh, dude, John Stamos. He honestly imagine a movie where it starts Peter Falk reading a story about his own life, mm. and it cuts to a flashback, and it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's John Stamos with a little fucked up eye. That's a movie that I would pay a million Lex bucks to watch. <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing about this movie, though, is that like it, it is all this spiritual stuff that we're talking about, mm. but it does have, I guess, a little bit of a structure to it or a little bit of flavor of a romance. Mm. There is a sequel to this movie that is not that. I watched it, and it's one of those things... This, did the version that you watched of this movie end with To Be Continued? No. No, it didn't. Because the one that I watched on the Criterion Blu-ray ends with To Be Continued. And I I couldn't really find a definitive answer just straight away to just go like, this has always been in there. Because it is a sequel to this movie. And it's one of those movies that's like, the sequel's completely forgotten. Nobody knows it really exists. It's called Fire Away So Close. Which, by the way, is, is the name of a Nick Cave song. Exactly. So he's... Once again, bringing like cool musician artists. He always music is always a big part of his films, mm. and like to like the the tonal nature of the cool feeling that he brings to his films. And this one is like that. It also won a, the Grand Jury Prize at Cannes. Okay. I believe this film, <clears throat> Wings of Desire, won like Best Director at Cannes and maybe the Best Picture, the Palm Door or something. It won big awards at Cannes. At Scotty Cannes. That's the Scotty Khan Awards. Scotty Khan Awards. <laughs> yeah. Where him and his father, oh, James Khan, give to out win awards. The Palm Door at the Scott Khan Awards. <laughs> and the Palm Door is uh, the golden palm where you just get a gorgeous little roosty from Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> he gives his golden palmy all over to you. He gives you the stranger. Yeah, exactly. He does the <laughs> stranger, but until, he jokes you off. He sits on his palm until it goes gold. Okay? <laughs> and that's when he gives you the stranger. Okay? It's awesome. It's one of the greatest prizes, and Vin Vendors is very freaking lucky to get it. Okay? But this one won the Grand Jury Prize, but it's kind of like forgotten. That's the only like impact it had. But he wanted to go back after the reunification mm. to make a movie in Berlin again. And he was like, well, the only other time I wanted to make a movie in Berlin was this. And so he kind of fell back into Wings of Desire. And it's no longer a romance movie. It's a fucking crime movie. It's like a heist in it. And uh, Cassiel, the other angel... 
he's still an angel, and now his partner that he walks around with is Natasha Kinski, uh, playing a new angel called Raffaella. Mm-hmm. And they wander around, very much the same kind of thing. But he starts like noticing like the crimes of stuff that's happening now with the reunification. And he, the moment that he becomes human is cool as shit. It's awesome because he has he has he. You know, it was kind of left inconclusive, like if he wanted to become a human or not at the end of the first film. Mm. And he seems happy enough to be an angel, but it's, um, he's in the new movie, he's observing, uh, Damiel's new life. He becomes like a pizza owner, pizza shop owner, not just a guy that owns a pizza. <laughs> to own a pizza is the height of like what I would uh, dream to someday own a beautiful round pizza. Yeah, he like that's the fish out of water comedy that comes in. He he just owns a pizza. He thinks it's the highest, it's the highest life of luxury that can live as a human being. But um, he's observing his life. He's now married. Danielle's married to um, to uh, the trapeze artist from the mm-hmm. first movie. She's mm-hmm. still doing trapeze stuff. And oh, she kept that up. She kept it up. That's she great. still does trapeze stuff. That's great. And um, not much of a like. Life in that. Well, she's doing it six years <coughs> later. This movie was only made six years later. Yeah, which is crazy. like is she still in like shitty circumstance, or is she upgraded? No, upgraded. Okay, awesome. Yeah, upgraded. Big, bigger crowd. Lee Winnell style. She upgraded. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And they have Benedict a little kid Hardy together. <laughs> yeah, they got a little kid together now, and then they um uh there's a moment where he's like observing other people in the world. And he's watching this little girl with... There's more narrative in the kind of vignettes that kind of Mm. connect together with like this arms dealer kind of thing. And he... he, But he's watching this little girl who's like on a balcony. She's on like a little exercise ball looking over the edge of the balcony. And she falls. And then he in an instant becomes human and he's down at the bottom and he catches her. Mm. And then he's like, oh, he just... He stops from being passive observer to being active in that moment. And Mm. then he's, um, he's... armor falls which is like what gives them their currency to live in the world mm-hmm. and it's all about like him kind of like slowly being his naivete being taken advantage of in this world by like this hunter this corrupter mm. who like finds the fallen angels and stuff like that who is played by Willem Dafoe oh, very cool very cool this movie has a great cast as well there's some more then Peter Falk is back uh, instead of Nick Cave, it's Lou Reed, who is like this, mm. who is the person whose concerts we see. Nineties Lou Reed, yeah, nineties Lou Reed, <laughs> nineteen ninety three Lou Reed, wow. and uh, yeah. but there's a cameo in this movie, like Peter Falk playing himself, that is maybe the most insane cameo I've ever seen in a movie. It blew my dick into the dirt. Like there's, it starts. It's a slow reveal where you see the back of their head and you're hearing them talk. They're writing a note down. And as the camera's rolling to the front and you see Cassiel behind him, Mm. so it's like this person's in the movie. And it's like the camera's going to the front. You're hearing their voice. And when it clicked to a was, I was like, I had to pause the movie because I freaked out. I don't even know. You could never guess who it was. <laughs> I, I can't. I honestly can't. It's like... I'm trying to think. Like, 93, who's famous? I'll tell you, 1993, around this maybe the most famous person in the entire world. I mean, is it Jerry Seinfeld? It's bigger than Seinfeld. <laughs> it's Mikhail Gorbachev. he's playing himself in the movie and it's like he literally is playing himself and he's acting and I want to like I'm like I gotta read about this how does this happen 
And so, like, he was a fan of Vim Vendors, hmm. and Vim reached out to him, and he talked about him as, like, he was a great actor because he's, like, so in front of cameras for everything. Hmm. This is, like, the this is the, for, the former prime president of the Soviet Union yeah. that we were talking about. If somehow you don't know who Mikhail Gorbachev is, the, he's <laughs> one of the most famous people in history, in yeah. modern history, is in this movie. And he's, like, talking about, like, he's a great actor. He was, like, he was very aware... When he would he would take direction and um, the actor that plays uh, Cassiel, uh, whose name I keep Otto forgetting, Otto Sander. Yes, Otto Sander. Um, mm. He was talking about how he was more nervous than Gorbachev. Gorbachev was like a consummate professional, and he was like feeling really nervous to be around the most famous, important person in the world at this point in time. Shit. Not just the most famous person in the world. He was the most important person in the yeah. world at the time. He was like the protagonist of the yeah. world at that point in time. Why the fuck did he take time out of his schedule to be in a movie? Uh, who knows? He probably was fun. I looked it up. I was like, has there ever been like a sitting leader that acted in a movie? Not just like was in a documentary. The other one was Gough Whitlam in the Barry McKenzie movie. <laughs> where he presents Dame Edna with like an honoration of Australia. <laughs> so it was like, it is, it is really strange. So it kind of becomes like this heist movie mm. from then on. It's, it's interesting, but it's much bigger mess of a movie. Much All bigger right. mess. But um, it's still pleasurable in that mess, like finding like the way that's talking about the reunification in a way, the stylistic changes to it and the tone changes, but also it's just like a monster cast. You've got really mm. cool people in it, like Willem Dafoe doing like what Willem Dafoe is like this kind of timeless angel hunter is really cool. Mm. Who can see the angels. He communicates with like Raphael and Natasha Kinski. Also Natasha Kinski as an angel. Amazing as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think it deserves a little bit more, notice as part of like Vim Vendor's filmography but as well as like international film that like this huge movie Wings of Desire has a sequel that no one knows about <laughs> that was kind of a bigger movie with a bigger budget at the time <laughs> do you think any of that kind of element of um, you know like thriller or kind of mainstream cinema mm. like you know you're saying there's heists and crime yeah. and action-y sort of stuff do you think any of that's going to end up in City of Angels yeah, because it comes out after it. It comes out after. I, I have a feeling if we're going to get any... like, I think it's going to be pretty much a straight romance, yes. romance drama. But if we're going to have any other flavors to that, it's going to be something like that. It's going to be mm. something that's a little bit action-y or th- th- crime Like Ghost. Yeah, like how Ghost has the robbery sequence and yeah. all that. I think it, it might... I, if it's going to go anywhere, it's going to go there. It could have more in common with Ghost than Wings of Desire. Now that I think about it's that, it's going to be Ghost. It's going to be Ghost Two. Oh, Ghost Two, Ghost Two, Ghost Rider. Ghost Two, this time Angel. This time Angel, dude. Yeah, I'm. I got to tell you, I I'm f- I, absolutely fascinated by what this Nick Cage movie is going to be. Especially because it's like a direct adaptation. We're not going like, mm. well, there's this Angel movie where Nicholas Cage... No, it's an adaptation of this film. Yeah. Because I can imagine Nick Cage playing this role. I can imagine him playing Damiel in this movie. Mm. I think he would be wonderful because I think Nick Cage has like the right sense of humor for this. I think he has like that... Ro- like, you know, that's the kind of hack thing now about Nick Cage in like... um online communities not just like not really online film communities but like online like reddit he's Mm. like the one true god they call him Mm. and um i think that 
he captures that. Like, they're right about that. He is like the one true God. <laughs> but he has that energy about him. And I think that translating it to an angel is a no-brainer for me, dude. Hmm. But I can't, I can imagine, but I can't imagine that movie being this City of Angels. No, no. I, I mean, we're going to find out. Mm. That's I'm what next week intrigued. is all about. I, it could have, I have no idea about it. I don't I, know. I think I'm going to watch it tonight. A wow. week in advance. Yeah. Or either that or I'm going to re-watch Wings of Desire because no I, I can't get... There's certain images of it I can't get out of my head right mm. now that I'm just so excited about. Or you could borrow Far Away So Close on DVD. But I'm worried about that. I think you'll like <laughs> I'm worried it. I won't like that. I know I've ruined the Mikhail Gorbachev <laughs> <laughs> moment for you. But, you know, special shout out to Fraser uh, who lent us that copy on DVD as well. It's kind of hard to track down that sequel, which kind of leads to its mystery of, like, it even existing. <laughs> uh, but that was City... Oh, oh, but that was Wings of Desire. Beautiful movie. Cameron, would you recommend it to the babies out there? Yeah, I actually, as I was finishing watching it last night, I was... I immediately texted my dad and I misses it like mm. one in the morning or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> I texted my dad and just like, Hey, I don't know if you're in the mood to watch a movie with a lot of subtitles, but I really think you'd get a lot out of this mm. because it's surprisingly beautiful, but also funny and it's cool. I don't know. It has a cool vibe about it. Yeah. And uh, at least a big selling point to my dad, I reckon. The thing that will get him over the line is that Nick Cave is in this movie. Yeah. And Peter my Falk dad's a big uh, Nick Cave guy. <laughs> yeah. I think this is a really good access point for mm. you to get into world cinema. I think this is a really good one. Mm. Um, so I give it a really strong recommendation. I still love it. I was very glad to go back to the heaven above Berlin mm. and find my place rightfully there. Dude, that's beautiful. Yeah. Right above that donut of freedom, looking oh, down. Come on, man! You, I, it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But if I say it enough, it'll be ironic that I ever said it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Wings of Desire. Next week, we are getting back in the cage with City of Angels, starring Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. The other ones that we're looking at in this series, of course, is The Wicker Man, and then we're going to be looking at. Bad Lieutenant and Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans will be our closing night film. Uh, if you listen to this on the day of release of Friday, this tonight, Static Vision is doing a really cool live stream. And we're going to be trying to do something with them to do a bit of like a bootleg double cage feature in the near future in the coming weeks. But they have got a Nicolas Cage movie on tonight. And they ha- it's a Paul Schrader movie starring Nicolas Cage. The studios, like they often do, ripped it away from Paul Schrader <laughs> and he edited his own version that he was just going to put like, you know, in galleries or whatever. They have got it and they have got an interview with Paul Schrader. That's so cool. A friend of ours, Kiva, is going to be interviewing Paul Schrader. She's like the biggest Paul Schrader fan in the world. So you got to tune in. It's free and then donations all go to indigenous uh, charities as well. you got to do that. That's so you got to do that. It's, it's going to be a double feature of some really cool stuff. So definitely check it out. And there will be something that we're doing with them in the very near future. So keep your eyes peeled. Uh, if you want to hear more from us, head over to patreon.com slash total reboot and subscribe for just five bucks a month. You get access to what? You get access to a bonus podcast called total respect. We've been doing some Q and A's on there lately as well. Uh, we talk about other movies that we like, other actors that we like, kind of similar to this Nick Cage thing, but we, mm-hmm. we kind of hyper-focus on people. Yeah. And probably the most prized possession of joining the Patreon mm-hmm. is you get access to the Cinephile Registry, a private group of 
fucking legends on yes. Facebook where all we do is talk about movies and TV and we and, and we, goof off. And there's goof a lot of goof. Off. There's goofing, there's spoofing, there's a lot of shit going on. And I want to tell you those that group means a lot to us. Like yeah. it's a really great community, but especially the last few months it has been a really positive place for mm. people to come and just talk about movies and as well it's a very it's a very good group of people that I would say yeah. that I think that it's been really nice having that group because I think it's definitely helped us a lot get through this lockdown time. hundred percent. We've done, uh, we've actually done a couple of screenings that we did as a group mm-hmm. uh, through the Patreon group where we watch something together and we live yep. like talk about it in a chat room. We're going to do another one of those very soon. Yes. We've been doing only movies from 1999. I yes. think we're going to keep that up. We're going to do one very soon. So we're... join the group, keep your ears to the freaking ground to yes. hear about there will that. be more 99s and we are going to do one of Static Vision and there will be donations towards Indigenous charities in that one too so it's going to be awesome yeah so hang out for them Patreon is the best way to get into those and it's just five freaking bucks a month dude that's like one freaking pube trim <laughs> <laughs> that's one boutique Fortunately, I am one of the pubeless men of Australia I do not grow pubes. <laughs> the pubeless men of the I labor stab me in the back. I represent the pubeless, <laughs> and I proudly stand up as a pubeless man. <laughs> uh, uh, if you want to talk to Alexi, talk to him on Instagram and Twitter at This Is Alexi. Yes, Cameron's on that. I am Cameron James. That's right. Also, if you want to see me do stand up oh, and you're listening mama. this week, um, I am in Newcastle on Saturday. So come see me. There's two shows. I think there's a handful of tickets left for those. Uh, And also in a few weeks' time, I think on the 2nd of July, I'm going down to Melbourne for the night to be part of a show at Cooper's Hotel. Wow. There's very few stand-up shows around at the moment, but I'll be doing stand-up at that. I'll be doing a lot of new jokes. I'll be doing some songs. I'll be fucking around. And also, um, as always, over the last month or so, I've been acting... And writing in some sketches with Becky Lucas on At Home Alone Together on the ABC. Mm -hmm. Wednesdays at 9pm, directed by Henry Stone from the Blank Slate. Yes, baby. Um, Starring me and Becky, just some sketches. The one coming up next week stars um, my, my equivalent of acting opposite... Gorbachev, it was acting opposite <laughs> Sophie Monk. From yes, Bardo. dude. And I was also nervous to be acting opposite yes. her. Sophie Monk, Adrian Monk, Peter Falk, Columbo. Here There's we go. A tie. There we it go. It all works. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. And all, should we just say that like we are working on something? A little tease? Yeah, sure. And also, we are fortunate to probably keeping this pretty regular at the moment, this podcast. Uh, but also, if it teeters a little bit, we will just tell you the reason is we are working on a massive project together at the moment. Yes. If you've ever heard of a thing called Finding Drago, I mean, that's all I'm going to say. If that's you've ever heard of it, that's cool. And all I'll say is that's great that you've heard of it and we have a big project coming out soon. Yes, we have a big project coming out fairly fairly in the near future and if you like Finding Drago that's awesome that's great you'll have you'll... if you like Finding Drago that's great good on you but you'll also like we have a project coming out we have a and that's all we can on. say that's all we can really say we're working on something but uh, we're working on something at the moment and just also as a completely unrelated <laughs> thing if you liked what we did with Finding Drago excellent excellent that's, that's really awesome. sick 
That's party, dude. Yeah, that's party on. And they're two unrelated things. Yeah. Well, we don't we don't know. 